0: This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church podcast. I hope this message meets you where you are and elevates you to where God is taking you. Enjoy the message. What's up, everybody? Here we go. We're, it is time to get into the word, and we are starting a new series right now. It is called Grace. For grown folk, look at somebody and tell them I'm some grown folk up in here. Look at somebody and tell them I am grown. And look at somebody else and tell them if you're with anybody, if you're with anybody, we're about to have some grown folk talk, okay? So, uh, real excited about this. I just wanna give a shout out to the one and only Pastor Johnny Thompson because he inspired the title of this series. So we have to give honor where honor is due. So if anybody uh, uh, knows Pastor Johnny and you got his phone number, give him a text and give him a shout out today. Um, and so uh, here we go. We're going to jump into this. All right. So turning to your Bibles to Titus chapter two, verse 11. Um, and this is really where we're going to kind of camp out today in the word. OK, we're going to kind of hang out in this verse, this couple of verses. Um, but we're going to uh, just talk about the grace of God and how. The grace of God um, matures us and develops us, okay? And so let's pray first and then we will jump right in. Once again, Titus chapter two, verse 11, okay? That's where we're going. Um, So Father, we thank you for your holy word and we pray for Lord your word to literally be a river of life to our soul and our spirit today. And we thank you. Uh, for your grace on it and that we will be changed by it today. in the name of Jesus we pray. everybody said amen. All right, here we go. before we turn in that verse, I want to give you just a definition of grace because we're gonna we're going to take all month to do this to really dive into this and this is my prayer as the pastor of Hopeland Church that through this series, you literally grow in your walk with God, grow in your faith, develop spiritually, mature spiritually like never before, okay? Now, this isn't, maturity isn't overnight, spiritual growth isn't overnight, and developing and and, and, and walking in your full potential in Christ is never overnight. But I believe this is a foundation of how we grow and be encouraged that you can and will grow in your faith, okay? That is my prayer. That is my heart for this message. So here we go. I'm going to give you the Greek definition of the word grace, okay? And this basically is the de- the defining factor of the rest of this month. And so it is the Greek word charis. So it's X-A-R-I-S, charis. It's where you get the word charisma, charisma. Um, right? We use that word, and it's not necessarily meaning what grace in Scripture is, but I know we use it. We talk about people with a charismatic personality. We talk about in in recent church history, in the Western world and in the world globally, there's been something known as the charismatic movement, which is really a movement that isn't necessarily defining the grace of God per se, but that's more speaking of um, a movement with spiritual gifts operating and stuff, because the same word um, is used for spiritual gifts is the same word, it's associated with the word grace, okay? So, just wanted to kind of uh, share that, but here we go. This is what grace means. It means favor, it means to be disposed to, it means that God is inclined to us, The Bible, it means grace, caris, means to be favorable towards, okay? Uh, the grace of God is all over the word of God. Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, in, it's within the law it's it's within the prophets it's in the minor prophets it's in uh, you know the conquest of israel and kings and all that grace you'll find it all in there it's uh it's in uh the new covenant the gospels the letters revelation i mean this is all throughout the word of god okay uh but it means to lean towards to share benefit that's what grace needs to lean towards to share benefit god is leaning towards us to share uh, benefit with us, um, and it's preeminently used of the Lord's favor, okay? This is something from God. Um, the Bible does talk about let our words be seasoned with grace and have grace for one another, yes. Um, that is um, part of it, but really, and by definition, charis is God himself, the um, the divine, true, and holy God, leaning towards humanity to benefit them, Okay? It's freely extended to give, that's what it means, to give himself away to people, okay? To give himself, this is grace. God is giving himself to you, all right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's grace. Jesus coming is grace. We call this era that we live in, this dispensation, the dispensation of grace, God has given Himself literally on the cross to us. That's grace. God has given Himself to us freely, extending to give Himself to people. Okay, and and it means He's always leaning toward us. I'm not. I'm not done reading the definition yet. I got a couple more, but I just want you to get this. This is what grace is. It is God leaning towards you, man. I mean, when you were dead in your sins, He was. He was leaning towards you to benefit you. When you were in addiction, when you were lost, when you were confused, when you were depressed, when you were in fear, when you were living in sin and and fulfilling your sinful nature, Here, Jesus leaning towards you to pull you out of that, to forgive you and to lift you out of that, okay? That's grace, okay? Somebody say, thank you, God, for grace, all right? Thank God for his grace, all right? And so in the Hebrew, it's, it's the same thing. In the Hebrew, it means extension towards grace. You know, the uh, you know, Bible says he saves you with his outstretched arm. It's grace. You don't deserve it. But he's like, I got you. Come, take my hand, right? Take my hand. The, I swim with my kids um, a lot lately. It's a good exercise for me. It's kind of, I get my cardio in. I get to hang out with the kids and I get to give mama a break. All right. So it's a threefold blessing right, has nothing to do with my message, but I will say this, when I'm swimming, there's times Gia already knows how to swim, my baby girl, she's seven years old, but something in her as I'm her daddy, she's my daughter, um, and so she'll act like she's drowning, and she'll lift her hand, and she wants daddy to save her, okay, I'm like, girl, you can swim, right, but, but there's, uh, she, so, so that's grace, so I extend my hand, and, and Nico is, is doing great, he's, he's only five, but he can swim, Little man can swim, right? And he's getting better and better. But there's times where he's tired. What do I do? And he's swimming. He's kind of dog paddling. And, you know, he's kind of keeping his head above water. What do I do? What does, what, what does, what does dad do in those situations? What does dad do? Is I extend my hand, grace, and I literally pull him to the shallow area. Like, and he's like, whoa, <laughs> you know, so he couldn't do it himself, but I just yanked him and pulled him. That, that's grace, extending towards, extended Towards. That is the grace of God. Here's some more about the grace of God. I'm gonna say it again. I'm kind of repeat myself, but this is this is it. This is what we're gonna talk about. It's God freely extending Himself. All right, I know I said that, but it but this is what it means in the Hebrew as well. Okay, a reaching, inclining to people because he, God, is disposed to bless and be near to them. So God's grace is he is disposed and inclined and, 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 and in a sense, God can't help himself but extend himself to you. It's, 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 it's God, he is the God of all grace. He, he extends, he's reaching, he's reaching for us, right? He's pulling us out of stuff and reaching to where we are. This is grace by definition, all right? Look at your neighbor and say, caris, right? I need some caris, okay? Grace, all right? Now, this is is where the growing up begins, all right? Why? Because spiritual development and formation and maturity cannot happen without the grace of God. It will not happen by your sure will. You, You might learn some things. You might develop your intellect. But spiritual maturity... Does not happen outside of God's grace. It is how it happens. It is it is the way it happens. It is God giving himself to you and us responding to that. The development of your spiritual maturity is, is started, and the basis of your development is the grace of God that He extends. He's made available. It's God's grace. We grow in the grace. The Bible says to that we can grow in grace. Isn't that awesome? Think about it. We can grow in it, and I'm telling you right now, it's the only way to grow is the grace of God, okay? So when God extends himself, all right? Here we go, it's gonna get, it's gonna, it's gonna get real right here. When God extends himself, gives literally of himself, he expects a return on that investment. When God imparts his nature into you, he expects a return. The word is a seed. When he put that's his nature, the word, Jesus is the word. When he implants, imparts his seed, his nature into you, the earth of your heart, he expects a return. His grace will plant it. But that, but he wants a return, okay? And so so God sowed his son in you. It's a righteous seed, he expects a harvest of righteousness from you. God implants righteousness in you. He wants a harvest. He wants fruit from that, okay? So now, let's do this. Turn in your Bibles to Titus chapter 2, verse 11. All right, Titus two eleven. It reads, for the grace of God that brings salvation. Somebody say grace. Somebody say caris. Somebody say Jesus give you some caris. For the grace of God. Grace of God, God extending himself toward humanity, brings salvation, all right, has appeared to all men. Here's my first, first point. Grace is for everyone. Grace is for everyone. Grace isn't for the religious few. Grace isn't for um, the select few. Grace is given for all humanity. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Grace is is for everybody, okay? And it says there, verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, somebody say grace, who, verse 14, who gave himself for us somebody say caris who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works all right we are going to dive into this titus chapter 2 verse 11 to 14 and here it is the grace of god What the grace of God does, the grace of God is what matures us. Verse 12, it says, teaching us. So as God extends himself, right? He desires that we would allow his grace to actually teach us how to live, teach us how to behave, teach us how to treat people, teach us how to interact with him, teach us, teaching us, teaching us. Now, I know this is grace for grown folk, okay? So grace is given, grace is for everybody, but can I say this? It is given for all of humanity, for God so loved the world that he gave, but not all of humanity responds to that grace. The grace is there, but not everybody grows in it. The grace is there just because you go to church and you've been in church for, for years or decades for that matter, it is possible to be in church and not grow. It is possible to be in church and associated with religious environments, but not grow in grace, okay? And so we're talking about um, grace for grown folks and that we, as Christ followers, God desires a return on that grace. And the return on that grace is the transformation of, of you. And, and that if gra- grace transforms, Grace teaches, grace develops, grace purifies, grace transforms us into the image of the son of his love. We are changed in, from glory to glory. We are changed into the very image of God. That the word, it is, it is the engrafted word that's able to save our soul. It is the impartation of his grace, his spirit and his word that changes us. It is possible to know the grace of God up here and never be changed by it down here. And it is possible to to not have the head knowledge or the intellect that some may have, but you can be changed and transformed down here. We wanna develop both, but grace transforms the heart. It does touch the mind and, and, and it does transform that. But without a heart being touched and changed, the Bible says he gives us a new heart, and he wants to return, so teaching us, grace teaches us, okay, grace just isn't that he covers us and forgives us, grace teaches us to live a life that is divine in nature, all right, and this is what the word teach means in this, okay, this is what it means, it means to instruct by training, okay, it means to instruct by training. It, it speaks of a child under development with strict with strict training, so they mature and realize their full potential in Christ. The, when you are under the grace of God, you have entered a spiritual training regimen. Okay, that you know the the spiritual gifts in in Ephesians chapter four, apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist teaching are given. To the church, what? To equip the saints, to train. So the the grace of God in local community is there too. The grace of God coming from the word, the grace of God in your relationship with Jesus is, yes, brings forgiveness and, 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 and washes away your sins, but it also trains you how to live and how to walk out of your sin. It's not just forgiveness of sin, it is freedom from sin it's not just pulling you out of darkness the grace of god is there to get you to walk into your promised land okay so that's teaching here's some more about teaching this requires this is what it requires requires necessary discipline i'm here to tell you right now the grace of god doesn't take off responsibility the grace of god doesn't take away discipline the grace of god doesn't take away accountability if anything it increases it it's by his ability and his outstretched arm, but when he gives of himself, what he comes with when he gives us grace is development, training, and discipline to walk in freedom, okay? Which includes, you know, and I'm just reading the definition here, okay? It says, this requires this type of teaching that the grace of God brings. This requires necessary discipline which includes God administering chastisement at times. The Bible says because you are a son and a daughter of God, there will come correction from him, adjustment from him. And the word used in in some versions of scripture is chastisement or correction. This is the grace of God that grows and develops. Chastisement is not demonic. Correction is not evil. When it comes from God and it's done in the grace of God, it is divine in nature and it will mature you and cause you to grow and develop in your faith, okay? So here it is, Uh, here's my next point. Grace empowers us to deny sin. Grace doesn't just uh, forgive us of sin, grace empowers us. It is the nature of God coming into this human nature and I have weaknesses. As a human, I have uh, I have temptations. I have uh, a past that try. I have an old man, but the grace of God empowers me to not be forgiven of my sin, but to deny the temptation of sin. That's what the grace of God does, right? That's what it does. Let's let's read this again, verse twelve, teaching us that what teaching us what denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. That is the grace of God. That is the grace of God. He empowers us to do it. But look, it says it empowers us and teaches us to deny. What does that mean? That the grace of God is released in your life when your will is given to it. I'm gonna say it again. It's not one of my points. Like I said before, maybe Pedro will put it up there. It doesn't have to, but it just came to me right now. But check it out. The grace of God empowers you but, but for you to experience it, your will must be involved. Come on now, your will must be involved. I'll be honest with you, right? As a, as a, as a, as a human being, I mean, as a man, I mean, when I mess up, I need to repent, right? The devil didn't make me do it. I mean, it took my will. It might have been a situation that made me, that, that, that like pushed my buttons and caused me to pull the trigger, whatever trigger that is for you, or, or, or triggered me. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm accountable. And the grace of God is here. So to deny that, to not do that. All right. It says teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly. Grace empowers you to deny the temptation of sin coming at you. And every believer is tempted. We all will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but God's grace is there, not just to forgive you when you mess up, but to keep you from messing up. Come on now, all right? Look at this, Romans chapter six, verse one. Look at this. Grace empowers us to deny sin, but let's read this, Romans six, verse one. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? You, when we gave our life to Jesus, we died to that old man. But how many of you know that old man is something we have to keep in check? And the grace of God teaches us and empowers us to deny sin. Titus 2.12, teaching us that denying Teach grace, grace, teaching us that denying ungodliness. Hallelujah. We all got to deal with this ungodliness and worldly lust. I mean, it's not like, ooh, if I go to church and I'm around Christian people, like, like you just, you just got it all together and you don't deal with nothing. Come on now. We are all human. We need the grace of God. And this grace, this caris teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. I don't know. We don't hear much preaching about worldly lusts, but there. It's it's the world, It's it's this isn't condemning, this is grace, this is a way out, this is conviction. We can deny it, you can deny it. You don't have to live in it. You, you're, you're positioned in Christ by the grace of God, he's teaching you. you. You get in the grace of God, you receive from the grace of God, that grace is gonna forgive you of your past, but it will empower you to deny the temptations of your present, okay? Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, Nobody is so spiritual that they never have to deny a temptation, right? Some people, you know, they c- can come across like they got it all together, like they're so spiritual. Yeah, right. You go home. You have a brain. You have a mind. You, you are susceptible just like anybody else. This doesn't mean this is our life as a Christian. We're constantly being bombarded and we're in this state of fear. No, but we're all tempted and the grace of God's there to teach us to deny it, to deny it, ungodliness. Um, yes, God loves you. Yes, He forgives you, but He doesn't want you living an ungodly life. God doesn't want you living in worldly lusts and, and just playing church and, and just keep going to church and, 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 and just look, you keep coming to church, but what I'm encouraging you, grace, and once they get you out, sin is bondage. Sin is, it brings death. Sin destroys. Sin kills. Grace is there to cover you, to forgive you, but to get you out of it. That's what a testimony is, man. I used to, but by God's grace, I don't anymore. Right? I am, we are, our identity is not sinner. So, so let's stop living in it. Let's not accept it as the norm. Let's allow God's grace and and give our will to the grace of God as opposed to this temptation of sin. All right. It says denying ungodliness and worldliness. We should live soberly. Grace empowers sober living. I'm I'm not necessarily talking about drugs or alcohol per se, although that's in the word As well, but sober living is not just that. Okay, some people, um, you know, you know, that come out of hardcore addiction, they'll celebrate their sobriety. Right? They're like, man, five years. Right? I have plenty of friends that have come out of that. Right? Um, I myself have, Um, and so, uh, but um, I have friends that literally know the date they got sober, and they celebrate that anniversary. That's beautiful. But I, I, I wish you know, you know, us Christians that maybe even uh, weren't like in hardcore drug addiction, but you just celebrate so, sobriety uh, in the soul, in the mind, sound. I man, I've been, you know, so, sobriety just isn't drugs and alcohol. This is this is what sobriety means. God, this 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 grace, caris, it empowers sober living. There's fruit. The Bible says repentance. You can look at. Repentance as an event, right? Because Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent, right? John the Baptist said, repent. Repentance is all throughout scripture, right? It's it's a moment, it's it's a turning. The the word repentance in the Greek means after knowledge. It means to know afterwards, meaning when you encounter the grace of God, you know now, oh man, I need to get right. I need to repent of my sin. That is wrong. My lifestyle is wrong. I need to get right with Jesus. That's repentance. Repentance is after knowledge. I know now. I know better now, to him to know what to do and not do it, it is sin. So repentance is the knowledge of my condition, the knowledge of my sin, and and the turning to God and the receiving of forgiveness, okay? But the Bible also says that we bear fruit in keeping with the event of repentance. So you may have repented five years ago, but has the grace of God produced fruit in your life? that your life testifies of an event that happened? Or is your lifestyle contrary to the event you talk about? Amen, so so grace is in a moment, freedom and righteousness in a moment, but grace is a journey of maturity and bearing fruit that testifies of the moments you've had in in Christ, all right? So here's sober, this is what it means. It means moderation, prudently, of true moderation. Here it is, reflecting the radical balance birthed within by faith from the Lord Jesus. It means to be safe-minded, that there is this empowering of a sober life. So grace brings not only forgiveness and covering, in in, in in hope to come out of sin but grace brings a soundness and a stability to your being and others will notice the change I'm gonna say this is the this is a sign of grace in your life okay not grace that happened when you when you came out of whatever it was you were living in but grace brings a soundness this is what sober is A soundness and a stability to your being and others will notice the change. 1 Peter 1.13, I'm gonna read this quickly. 1 Peter 1.13, therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. Look at somebody in the room, tell them be sober. Look at be sober, be means will, be sober. Grace is here, be sober. Well, you know, I can't, the devil made me do it. No, be sober, you have grace? Be sober, it's your will. Come on, you will to worship. You will to, to whomever will let him come. You will to sin, all right. You got you. You will. You know what I'm saying. Um, you know I. You know when when you were sinning. I mean, it was will. You will. You know it's not. Come on now. When when you got involved in some stuff, it's not like the devil made you do it. We will to do that. We can will ourselves and lean into the grace of God. It takes your will. It says and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace. Look at that, grace and sober right there. Be sober and rest on the grace of God, but be sober. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. To experience God's grace requires your will. It requires your will. And just as it required you to say on that day, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I'm a sinner, save me. I come to you. It takes the same will to mature and develop and to grow in your faith and to grow in holiness and to grow in purity and to grow in, in, in spiritual strength. Okay, we will to submit to God and we will to rebel against God. We will to submit to God. He will never force us to submit to him and the devil can't force you to submit to him, you will to submit to God, you will to submit to temptation, right, we can put our will towards the grace of God, don't blame the devil for something you chose to do, all right, I know it's quiet right now, um, but that's okay, this is grace for grown folk, here we go, one more, First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 6, I'm going to read this quickly, therefore let us not sleep Speaking of spiritual sleep, we're just not awake. We're sleeping. There's a correlation with sleep and death in the Bible. Okay, spiritual death. We don't sleep as others do, but let us watch. And here it is again, and be sober, all right? Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Once again, 1 Thessalonians chapter five, verse six, therefore, let us not sleep. Don't fall asleep, right? Arise, shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, right? Let's not sleep. Let's not sleep. Wake up. Awake. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, as others do, because we got grace. We don't have to fall asleep. Be dead spiritually, sleeping in the spirit, dead, lethargic, can barely make it to church. Just come on now grace, grace, lean into the grace, give your will to the grace of God, give your will to the word of God, give your will to the spirit of God, give your will to what God is saying, give your will to him and he will empower you to live free, all right, that's our vision as a church, wedding, we exist so that you can encounter God and walk in freedom, so encounter God is one thing, But grace for grown folks is that you can walk it out, that you can bear fruit, that God can get a return on the investment of his nature in your soul. Encounter God, walk in freedom, fulfill God's purpose and change your world. Why am I preaching on grace for grown folks? Because I desire for you To not just encounter Jesus, but to walk with him. And in walking with him, it isn't always going to be easy. In walking with him, it's not always going to be a nice little uh, thing, you know, that he will make you to lie down in green pastures and leave you beside still waters. But you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death sometimes. And I'm going to tell you that everything in your life, God's going to use it. What the devil meant for evil, God will use it. The, the trouble in your life, that person in your life that's getting on your nerves and causing your flesh to manifest, that that, that is for your good. God God is just, you got to see it with a different lens. Oh, the devil's attacking me. Oh, this person doesn't like me. Oh, this person's saying bad things about me. You know, I get it, the feeling, the emotion, but get in the spirit and you're going to see God actually showing things in your life and heart that ain't right. And he's like, look, I'm just using them to show you what you can work on. That that happening to you, you got to see it through the lens of grace that this is God's grace showing you what to grow and develop and be trained in so you can bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Hallelujah, watch and be sober. Watch means to be alert, awake, vigilant, means responsible. When, when, When we just, when we're lazy with our faith and we're just giving our will to how we feel, and we're giving our will to the temptations of the of the enemy. And we're giving our will to what's happening in society. And we're giving our will to what the news is saying. We, we are forfeiting and not taking responsibility for ourselves. That's why it says watch. Why? Because when you watch, you're responsible. When you're aware, you're responsible. All right? You're responsible. It it associates watching with responsibility. I am aware. If you've ever had young children around you, you need to watch. Why? You're responsible. When I take my kids to the pool, even though they're learning how to swim and they don't need their life jackets, um, um, I still need to watch, okay? And I'll be honest with you. And taking my children skateboarding, And if I'm, it's usually when I'm not watching that somebody gets hurt, right? I'm not responsible. Okay, watch, here's what sober means. Okay, be sober, grace and power, sober living. Grace and power, I know this isn't, um, you know, this is a growing up message, sober living. This is for everyone, this is for me, this is for you. This is for every follower of Christ, free from illusion. So means sober from the intoxicating influences of sin. Okay, like the impact of selfish passion, greed, pride, sober. Aware of your tendencies, aware of of that. It it refers to having presence of mind, clear judgment, enabling someone to be temperate, self-controlled. Okay, uninfluenced by intoxicants. And I'm not talking about, some people, they, they aren't intoxicated with, with alcohol or intoxicated with drugs, they're intoxicated with gossip. They're intoxicated with backbiting. They're intoxicated with talking about other people's drama. They're intoxicated. They're, they're intoxicated with themselves, intoxicated with pride, intoxicated you know, with, with imagination that just drifts into sin and all kinds of craziness, right? Enabling someone to be temperate, uninfluenced by a toxicant means to have one's wits, faculties about them, right? Which is the opposite of being irrational. So sober, sober grace empowers, sober living. I just literally walked my two children through a confession process (laughs) at night. And uh, we all did it together. You know, at night, me, my children, my wife, at times when, when the time allows or whatever, or, and we, we've been doing this a little more, we'll kind of circle up in the kid's room and we'll just talk We'll say, hey, what, what's one thing you're thankful for, right? And the kids will always say something that's super unspiritual that they're thankful for. Although sometimes they say some good things, but hey, it's all good. It's just, I just want to create a ha- healthy family environment. So we just talk and circle up and we talk about what we're thankful for. We'll pray and maybe have a little fun or whatever. But it's like, it's family time and it's not super long. It's before they go to bed and we're just there. Me and mama are there, we're sitting with them and we're like in their world, right? But I walked them through, I said, okay, repeat after me. (laughs) Because with children, you know, they have some self-control problems and I'll be honest with you, my wife was like, "Mm, I wonder where Dominico gets those self-control problems. I'm like, yeah, me too. I, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know. I don't know where he got that self-control problem. But anyway, beside the point, but I walked them through this and I said, you know what, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For your spirit, for your spirit, you empower me, you empower me, to have self-control. My emotions don't control me. Come on, Nico, Gia. You know, other people don't control me. I have control over my emotions in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, okay? So I was doing that for them and me. But but anyway, but sober, self-control, like I, I have my wits about me. I'm not gonna just fly off the handle here. I, I'm gonna bear fruit, and keeping with repentance, sober living. Here's the next one, grace. Here it is, grace is on, this is the next point. Grace is on the righteous path. Righteousness is a position in Christ that's given to us that we can't earn and we don't deserve. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We are justified by grace through faith. We are saved by grace through faith. That not of works, it's not, uh, that, that of works lest, lest anyone should boast. But scripturally, grace is on a righteous path, meaning righteousness is a position, but it is also a journey. Righteousness is a position in Christ that gives us authority in the spirit, but it is also a lifestyle. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, okay? Righteousness just isn't some position we sit in, but we can just act a fool, because the Bible says in Titus chapter 2, verse 12, again, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly less, we should live soberly, live, live righteously. The just shall live by faith, but the Bible talks about a righteous life. That the grace of God is there to position you in righteousness, but also empowers you to actually walk in righteousness, to live righteously, to live righteously. Look at the person next to you and tell them I want to live right. You know what? It's okay. get your life right. get it right and and it might I'm not even speaking comprehensively. I believe by the spirit of God there's always something that God we are maturing in and we need to say yes Lord, deal with that Lord the attitude, the pride, the, the lust. what is it? God, grace of God. Give me the grace, empower me, God, to be on the righteous path, okay? Grace not only positions us in righteousness, but enables us to live righteously. A grace that covers and doesn't change you is a perverted grace. A grace that we talk about that does not transform is cheap grace. It is perverted grace because the grace of God just does not cover and forgive. It changes. A grace that keeps you in sin is not the grace of God. A grace that enables us to stay in our condition is not the grace of God. The grace of God teaches us to live righteously. Grace is on the righteous path, right? It teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and teaching us to live soberly, righteously and godly in this present age. The grace of God is not a a get off the hook thing alone. It is get you off the hook and get you living right. I'm I'm gonna use a narrative in scripture here. When the woman was caught in the act of adultery, she was in sin and the religious guys were like, sinner, right? You know, kill her. And Jesus stepped in and says, you who are without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. And he starts writing on the ground and all the religious guys start walking out one by one. Don't know what he was writing on the ground. Whatever it was, they were like, I better go, right? I'm guilty too. Why? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In God's courtroom, they're religious or whatever, we are all guilty of sin. We are born into sin. We need forgiveness of sin, but here it is. What did he do for her? You know, I'm not gonna cast a stone at you. What did he tell her? She was in sin. He said, go and sin no more. Jesus is the embodiment of the grace of God. He got her off the hook, but he did not keep her in her sin. He told her, go and sin no more. That is the grace of God in our lives, that we can be set free from the sins we've committed in a moment because of his forgiveness. But Jesus desires that we live a life that is not sinful, but our life is righteous, amen? So grace is on the righteous path. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 28. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 28. It says, in the way of righteousness is life. So righteousness is not just a position in Christ. It is a way of life, all right? So in the way of righteousness is life, and in its pathway, there is no death. We need to preach and encourage people with their position in Christ. But understand that the grace of God positions you so you can live away. It does not position you so you can get away and continue in sin. As we read before in the book of Romans, should I continue in sin that the grace may abound? That grace may abound? And the Bible says, certainly not. We who died to sin should not live in it any longer. Hallelujah, all right? And so, Back to Titus, right? Two, it says that we would be taught to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. It's the grace of God teaching us that we can live, here it is, soberly, or sorry, um, uh, yeah, soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So here's my last point, is grace makes you godly. Grace makes you godly. It, it positions you in Christ. But you have fruit of it. Why does God desire a return on the investment he put in your life? Because your lifestyle is what is going to minister to people. It is not what you say. It is who you are. It is not that you got saved. It is how you act when you're under pressure that's going to minister to this world. It's not that you, you had a, you had a vision from God a year ago. It's a uh, yes, that's that has its place, but to a sinner and to somebody that doesn't know Jesus, they, they could care less about your story that happened, they want to see your behavior today. So it's not, yes, the encounter matters, yes, your your your, your story of how God said, t- yes, but I but when it talks about changing our world and reaching real people that don't know Jesus, that already have a certain way of thinking about the church and religious people, he desires that they would experience himself through your lifestyle. I remember, I shared this some time ago, but turning your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, I'm gonna read this, Hebrews 12, verse 28. I remember some time ago when I first got saved, I was in the skateboard industry. I've shared this a time before, but this applies. The, the prophetic word I received from this prophetic man of God, I was a teenager, fresh out of the world. What does that mean? That I still had a lot more issues than I do now, okay? Because I've grown, right, Grace? I've grown, hopefully, over the last couple decades. But he prophesied over me. He did not know I was a skateboarder, did not know I was in the industry, did not know what I was doing with my life. I was a sponsored skateboarder. I was about to turn pro, all right? And I didn't even know I was going to turn pro. I knew I was kind of coming up. But this man of God stepped in and says, you are involved in a sport. I did not know this man. And he said, it's not going to be your talent that's going to minister to that that community of people. It's going to be your lifestyle. He said, it's your lifestyle, exact words. This is way back when, back in the 90s. Come on, somebody. And he said, your lifestyle will be a sign and a wonder. And, and when he said it to me, I was like, oh, Lord, that is a responsibility. But by the grace of God, I want to say this to everybody in our community. By the grace of God, God wants to make your lifestyle a sign and wonder. He wants to make you a sign and a wonder. All right, here we go. Hebrews 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. Somebody say grace by which we may serve God. How How do we serve God? By the grace of God, that we might serve God acceptably with reverence. Here it is, godly fear. Grace makes you godly. Grace is the nature of God in your behavior and in your lifestyle, and it teaches us that we can live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So Father, I pray right now for everybody over this word. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we wouldn't just be a people that talk about the grace like it's something that has happened, but I pray that we would live righteously, because of your grace, that we would live godly because of your grace, that we would live soberly because of your grace, that our lifestyle, God, our spirit, our soul, our body, our words, our attitude, our outlook, our worldview would be framed and and fashioned by the grace of God on our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you guys. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that it inspired and challenged you. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And to stay connected, just follow us on social media. Remember, there's always hope and your future in God is great.